Welcome back to our podcast, Chronically Iconic Mistakes. I'm your host, Jocelyn. And your co-host, Raya. In 1833, a French immigrant named Antoine LeBlanc had just arrived in America. Why'd you say it like that? What? (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't know. It feels right. God damn, I'm not going to be self-conscious about how I say LeBlanc. It's cute. Go. Antoine LeBlanc had just arrived in America, starry-eyed and hopeful that he would be living the American dream in no time. LeBlanc had been disowned by his wealthy European family and came to America believing he could make his own fortune. Despite the hope he had for his future, I'm certain his heart was weighed down with the trauma that comes from abandonment. Oh, man. That got dark. I'm still laughing about LeBlanc. <laughs> I had a really hard time not laughing while, like, saying the rest of it. I'm sorry about your trauma. <laughs> Poor traumatic dude. Wait, that didn't really make any sense. It was 1833, though, so... Yeah, like, were there even therapists? I don't think there was therapy yet. <laughs> there was... What's those things? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay the the like doctors but they like they were magical doctors like with herbs oh um like homeopathic doctors yeah. but like was it just witchcraft then is that what we call it <laughs> i don't even know i think so i think they were still doing cocaine about it like let's put it that way well yeah but you can be a witch and do cocaine so yeah that that's very true you can do both because women can do anything <laughs> No, they can't. Don't do coke. (laughs) Well, like, you can if you want, but, like, you shouldn't, you know? Girl power. Stop. Stop. Don't listen to Jocelyn. I'm sending the wrong message, so I'm just going to keep going. It is not easy coming into another country with literally no prospects, especially America. Like, let's be honest. LeBlanc had spent just three days in Morristown, New Jersey, before he was hired by a local family. LeBlanc, now I'm saying it weird, <laughs> LeBlanc. That actually sounded more Frenchish, so go ahead. It was almost there. LeBlanc would be working on the farm of Sarah and Samuel. S- Sayer? You think it's Sayer? I think so. If it's not Sayer, just don't cancel us, but we're going with it. Working on the farm of Sarah and Samuel Sayer, which would provide him with only room and board. For many of us currently living in America, having room and board paid for is a huge feat on its own. Back in 1833, a wealthy European would likely disagree. It was probably like a penny back in 1833. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. They literally like could have just given him one penny on top of that and he probably would have been happy. Probably would have been a very different story. After such a significant move, you would think LeBlanc would be thankful for any housing, but he wasn't thrilled to find out that his new home was a dark and rather musty basement in the Sayers' home. On top of being in a less than desirable housing, LeBlanc was likely shocked when he learned that the woman of the home would be assigning his duties because feminism hadn't happened yet. And I mean, especially considering one of the women, Phoebe, was actually the Sayers' slave. We're going to talk about how predatory Americans were with, like, immigrants. Yeah, for sure. And then, fuck you, Sayers, for having a slave, you piece of shits. Yeah, so I'm going to be, like, real straight. I am going to use the word slave a lot in this story. 
And the reason I am doing that is to make sure that we're not making light of it. Like they had a fucking slave. We're not going to hide that she was a slave because a lot of the articles I read kept trying to say the word like servant and like make it less like awful. No, they had a slave. It's awful. It's not okay. Media outlets can suck my nuts because this that was really aggressive. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, dude, it really bothered me seeing that because a lot of them were like, oh, they think it was their slave. Like, no, let's just be straight like we're just sugarcoating this (laughs) yeah it's just like let's stop being uncomfortable about the conversation because that makes us like move backwards like it happened it wasn't okay and we need to talk about it instead of cover it up yeah so if you guys are uncomfortable with that this might be your time to dip but i think it's a good thing for us to do so leblanc gave his new employment the benefit of the doubt biting his tongue of entitlement During his first two weeks, the woman of the farm ordered him to complete labor-intensive duties like chopping wood and taking care of the farm animals. Previously, LeBlanc had lived in a wealthy family, and his new job was taking a toll on him quickly. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about LeBlanc being like this. Like, I feel like he's definitely sexist. We're going to start with that, but it was the time frame, sadly. Well, like, if he was in a wealthy family, and now he's not... Like, I don't know. Like, what did he do? I couldn't find anything telling me what he did to get disowned. And it's weird. Like, you're coming to America wanting a better life, but then you're kind of bitter about it, it seems like. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he's not a good person. I can tell you that much. And that's good. I'm talking shit about him. Yeah. We hate we hate everybody almost in this situation, to be honest. Uh. Like, I'm just saying I hate the family because they have a slave. At the end of the first two weeks, LeBlanc thought, no, he knew he was better than what the Sayers had to offer, and he was going to show them how great he was. I imagine him pacing in the dark old basement that night as he plotted his revenge on the family that had spent the last two weeks disrespecting him. What did he think was going to happen, though? Like, he was going to come and they were going to praise him? I really think that he, since he came from, like, a wealthy family, he just had a completely different vision of how his his life would be when he came there. Like, I think he thought that his wealth still mattered and that he would be treated differently and it would be easy to make more money. But it's just like he had unrealistic expectations because he's never had to work, probably. Hmm. That's weird. You'd think that he would, if he was that wealthy, he would still have the wealth and he wouldn't have had to work. So, well, yeah, but his family disowned him. So I'm assuming they stopped like giving him money. It was, it was like family money. You know what I mean? Like he, he didn't own the money. Sucks to suck. Yeah. If he had just, what I don't know what he did to get disowned, but if he had just not been a shitty person, then. He'd have money. I'm assuming he got disowned because he thought he deserved the money for doing nothing. Either that or like, I don't know, maybe he committed more murders than he's about to do. (laughs) Spoiler alert, but... (laughs) Okay, well, you could have started with that because I'm just, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Let's get into what this asshole did. On May 11th, 1833, LeBlanc spent some time drinking at a local bar before returning to the Sayer farm at 10.30 p.m. He stumbled into the home in a panic, telling Samuel that something just wasn't right about the horses and that he had to come check on them before it was too late. Quickly, they ran to the stables with just a candle lighting their way. I imagined Samuel's last thought was how there didn't seem to be anything out of the ordinary as he entered the stable that dreadful night. 
As Samuel walked deeper into the stable, LeBlanc walked behind him, grabbing a shovel along the way. LeBlanc raised the shovel before bringing it down onto his employer's head. The shovel hit his head so hard that pieces of Samuel's brain would later be found on LeBlanc's coat. Okay, so like, when you said that he needed to show them that he was great, I thought like he was gonna like, do more housework and not murder. I don't know. When I'm trying to show somebody that I'm better than they think I am, I don't automatically, like, kill them. I feel like you have a really good point, but you also aren't a murderer. Like, genuinely, he had he had no prospects. He had no experience. I don't know what he expected, if I'm being fair. Mm-hmm. Anyways, LeBlanc didn't miss a beat, and he immediately went back to the house to tell Sarah of the strange behavior the horses were exhibiting next. I imagine if Sarah had more than just candlelight, she would have noticed the brains of her husband splattered down LeBlanc's coat that night. Unfortunately, Sarah didn't notice a thing and followed LeBlanc out to the stable just as her husband had only moments ago. Sarah did find something out of the ordinary in the stable that night. Her husband's body was strewn across the stable floor, blunt force trauma leaving him unrecognizable. Sarah's blood ran cold as terror wreaked havoc on her body. The seconds must have felt like hours before she suffered the same fate as her husband. The final blow that would take her life was a forceful kick in the head from LeBanc's heavy boots. The Sayers' bodies laid together in the most gruesome, yet morbidly romantic scene. Thoughts only of revenge, LeBlanc wanted the couple to feel how he had while working for them, and hid the bodies in the most demeaning way possible, underneath a pile of manure, because the best revenge is doing manual labor one last time for the family you fucking murdered. I'm sorry, but like, you're pathetic. Sir. I felt like you said that to me, but I know what you meant. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I added the sir. Because I was like, oh shit. For a minute, I was like, the audacity. That last line was good. No, I'm just like so annoyed. And then like, he couldn't even, this is going to sound so fucked up, but he couldn't make the murders like unique. He did the same murder for both of them. I feel what you're saying now that you've said it. Like, you're not wrong. Like, he straight up did the same exact thing. And then when she didn't die, he was like, I'll just clock you in the head with my fucking work boots. Like, yeah, like he he really was like, oh, my gosh, the horses are being weird. Come quick to both of them. Like, you couldn't have made up a different lie. I think what bothers me the most is that, like. Was she there the time he said it the first time? I mean, she had to have heard. It's not like they have electronics in their house. Dude, and like, if I was the woman, though, like, not to be like this person, but I would have been like, well, where's my husband? He can go with you. <laughs> like, I'm not going out there. Yeah. Like, no, bitch, I'm not going to go out in the middle of the night and look at horses. That's his job. Yeah, like, what the fuck am I going to do with the horses if they're being weird? Exactly. Like, talk to the correct person, okay? Because I'm not the person to investigate sketchy shit at night. Yeah, we'd we'd definitely be the people where they're like, Miss, I'm trying to murder you right now and you're just making it really fucking difficult. (laughs) Like, can you stop? Can you please just, like, work with me here? Okay. I was looking for a minimal effort kill, you know? Like, but you just keep making excuses and it's just really hurting my feelings. Dude, like, right? Like, we are way too, like, people who are into true crime are way too, like, paranoid, honestly, to get murdered easily. Yeah, honestly, 
I would never follow a dude out anywhere, even if I knew him forever. Oh, I would never. And like, he's been there two weeks and she's just like, yeah, let's go to the stable together in the middle of the fucking night with my one candle. Yeah, honestly, I would be like, okay, let's get all the neighbors up and they can go with us too. And like, the more I say this, we're like criticizing her so much, but like the guy did the same thing and he's a piece of shit too. Wait, not a piece of shit. cut that one out but like he also did the same thing and like he's also not very smart about not getting murdered but like in 1833 it wasn't a thing to be murdered though so okay you have a huge point like how often were murders happening in 1833 actually maybe a lot but they probably didn't give a fuck yeah well they just didn't notice exactly after hiding the bodies of the family who took him in when he had nothing to his name LeBlanc went straight back to the now-empty family home of the Sayers. In LeBlanc's mind, there was one last loose end he had to take care of. Phoebe, the family slave, because slavery was okay at this time, which is mad fucked up. Despite Phoebe likely suffering even more humiliation than LeBlanc, he did not see her as immune to his day of reckoning. Phoebe had often given LeBlanc orders, despite her status as a slave, and was disgusted that a woman, let alone a slave, would give him orders. He was a wealthy and esteemed European, after all. How dare she? LeBlanc stealthily walked up the stairs and into sleeping Phoebe's bedroom. Before Phoebe could even wake up, LeBlanc had smashed her face in with a single blow. Man, this dude can suck a dick. This dude totally can. Quickly, LeBlanc filled several pillowcases with various valuables he found around the Sayers farmhouse and loaded it into one of the horses, which he rode to Mosquito Tavern. After just brutally murdering the family who took him in during his time of distress, LeBlanc sat alone at a bar sipping cider as if nothing had ever happened. Calmly, plotting his escape back to Germany, Mosquito Tavern was just a resting spot after a hard day of bloody work. You know what gets me is... How, well, like, this is from the 1800s, how there's actually so much information about kind of what went down. And then there's things that happen, like, fucking this year, and there's, like, no information because... Dude, right? It's just weird to me. Yeah, that is definitely a thing. Like, some cases you look up and you can't find shit on them. Yeah. Well, actually, I know why that this is remembered. Why? Just wait. What LeBlanc didn't know is that in his haste, he had left a treasure trail during his escape. Neighbors passing by Sayers' home noticed some of their valuables strewn across the street, and they were quick to go check on them. They had no idea that a simple wellness check would change their lives forever. As they checked on the Sayer home, they came across the bodies of the Sayers and their slave who had been brutally murdered just hours ago. Well, that's kind of fucked up. Dude, right? They immediately alerted the authorities, and despite the slow movement in 1833, they managed to find LeBlanc at Mosquito Tavern. LeBlanc did attempt to evade capture by trying to run out of the back door of the tavern, but he didn't make it far before being arrested. Upon his arrest, officers found a pillowcase full of Sayers' valuables, and once admitted to a jail cell, LeBlanc quickly confessed to the brutal murders of the Sayers and their slave. I feel like if I murdered people... I wouldn't just, like, hang out at a tavern for a bit. Yeah, honestly, I would be so quickly out of the country. Um, I think at this time that he would have had to, like, taken a boat. So I don't think it was, like, as quick to, like, get out of the country or whatever. I don't know. I feel like I would be hiding in, like, 
a trash can or some shit. Like, I wouldn't be in it. A trash can? I wouldn't can. be in a tavern just fucking drinking cider. Like, you have to be crazy. You know what? I'm not going to lie. Like, your idea is really good, though, because, like, nobody's going to look for you, an alive person, in a trash can. <laughs> like, you're on to something. <laughs> Honestly, though, tell me, like, if you murdered somebody, you wouldn't go to a super busy tavern just chilling, waiting for a boat. You'd be hiding. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would have already, like, changed my looks. And, like, if I had to stay in the country, I'd be, like, down low kind of thing. No, this bitch is just drinking some juice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. At least try to, like, escape into Canada or something, you fuck. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, murdering an entire family and then you steal their fucking horse? Like, back then, that was such a big deal. That's like stealing a car now. Yeah, exactly. He grand theft autoed a damn horse. So anyways, you'd think the court hearing would be pretty cut and dry. Um, But this is actually where the case really takes just a bizarre turn, dude. On August 13th, 1833, the court hearing began and it only lasted 20 minutes before the jury found LeBlanc guilty of murder. Now, 1833 was a very different time, and the judge sentenced LeBlanc to hang. However, the strangest part about this case is that the judge ordered for his body to be donated to science, specifically to Dr. Isaac Canfield, a surgeon who would be performing a dissection on his body. Pretty cool, right? Except the dissection takes a pretty fucking dark turn when the entire town finds a very morbid revenge. It's really fucked up that, like, you could just have a judge order your body to be donated to science. Like, that's where I draw the line. Really? Oh, man. I actually was like, why don't we do more of that? I don't know if that makes me a bad person, but we could use that for science. But at the same time, what's your opinion on it? I get where you're coming from if it's like super bad murders. I'm more thinking like anybody in general. Okay, so when I thought about it, my brain went to like, nowadays, if you're going on death row, like you're a pretty bad fucking person. So I could understand that. But you are kind of right. Like, where do you draw the line? And like, if we look at, I can't remember, wasn't it China that was taking prisoners like organs and shit i have no idea but like that's that's my thing like especially back here like he ordered specifically to a certain doctor it's just weird yeah oh no no no. that's what was going on i don't i can't recall which country it is i think it's china i could be wrong so don't like quote me but what they were doing with prisoners is they were actually they're actually like using them for organ like donations so like if somebody needs like a kidney they could just like take their kidney Like, it wasn't a choice. Like, they could just come take your kidney. It's really... We really need more organs. Like, we need to figure out a way to, like, harvest organs or something or... I don't know, plant them in the ground and have them sprout or something. I don't fucking know. So I get that. Like, we literally have 3D printers and you just went for sprouting organs. (laughs) I was thinking of, like, potatoes or something, like, harvesting. I don't know. Like, you just, like, cut a heart in half and throw it in the ground and it, like, grows another full heart. Yeah, why the fuck don't they do that? That is so annoying. I feel like in order for them to do that, it has to, like, work that way. Yeah, I'm... No, I'm saying why don't hearts work that way that's really fucking annoying like i (laughs) i get they can't (laughs) i get they can't do that now but it's just really annoying that we don't have enough organs i don't know it's terrifying anyway i don't i guess i'm kind of split on i don't know forcing prisoners to donate yeah on september 6 1833 leblanc was set to be hung on a rather new piece of technology 
Instead of being hung like you see on television, where the floor drops out from under them, this new technology sharply raised LeBlanc's body into the air approximately eight feet. Thousands gathered around, eating their lunches with their families as they watched a man who committed a horrible act die in the streets that they called home. LeBlanc may have died on that crisp fall day, but the town never forgot him, and in their revenge, they may have immortalized him. After his death, his body was taken to Dr. Canfield's office, where they began some rather unethical experiments. Like using a battery, they attempted to bring LeBlanc back to life. And I mean, unfortunately, all that happened was some muscle movement. Okay, so they basically tried to Frankenstein him. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that fucked up? Yeah. After several failed experiments, for whatever reason, they decided to cast LeBlanc's face in plaster before they peeled his skin off like a goddamn potato. The surgeon sent his skin to a man named Atno Hannery, who used his skin for his own art. LeBlanc was turned into several keepsakes like wallets, purses, lampshades, and even some book jackets. To be damn sure they humiliated the now dead serial killer. The sheriff himself signed several pieces of skin and then sold them on the street. Okay, but like when Jeffrey Dahmer does it, that's the guy who like peeled off skin, right? Or was it the other one? When he does it, it's a crime, but when y'all do it, it's like... Okay, that's disgusting. Right, though? Like, imagine. I I bet you that these things are still, like, somewhere in the world, and somebody buys them still. Oh, don't you worry. They're still around. Oh my god, I hate this. Long after his death, rumors flew through the air of Morristown. Many believe that Dr. Canfield had reassembled LeBlanc's skeleton and had it on display in his office. Unfortunately, those rumors were put to rest when an addition was added to Dr. Canfield's office. Workers did find LeBlanc's bones in a wooden box hidden in the building, but there was no skeleton assembled. That's fucked up. Yeah, pretty fucked up. In 1995, on the best night of the year, Halloween, auctioneers found the plaster mask of LeBlanc that the surgeon had made so many years ago. As they continued to work in the home, they also found a purse made of LeBlanc's skin, confirming that, even in death, LeBlanc is still trapped in Morristown, likely for eternity. The moral of this story is don't kill people and then expect to be buried because you'll be donated to science and be purses and lampshades afterwards. Yeah, I think that's the message we're throwing. Bye! Bye!